very good afternoon to you, our cherished listeners. It's always indeed very, very exciting to come your way every Wednesday with your favorite business development program on Radio Masterclass. Masterclass is powered by Joy Business and brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, they say good energy, Goyle. Igenara, Yedia. Again, another Wednesday is yes, 21st day of October, still in the month of October, and gradually we're getting to the end of the year. And like we always say here on the show, time is never too late. If there's something that you've always wanted to start, by all means, do start. Because in the words of the first head of state of South Africa, the nation of South Africa, Nelson Mandela, he says that the greatest glory in life is not in never having fallen, but rising every time we fall. So if you fail before, just keep trying. And like H. Thomas Palmer said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, and try again. By all means, do not stop. Just keep trying and just keep trying. Now, just a little tidbit for us before we get into today's conversation. We always do that here when we start the show. Today, the customer is spoiled for choice. Today, the customer has many options to look at. You're a business, you're an entrepreneur. One of the things that you should look out for, according to research, about 50% of Ghana's population is digitally active. And when I say digitally active, it means that they're active online on one social media channel or the other. Year to date, we're looking at the volume of transactions from Ghana alone on the internet and is in excess of 100 million US dollars. So what am I saying? I'm saying that as a business, beware the customer is looking for you. That's my tidbit for today. Beware the customer is looking for you. Where will the customer be looking for you? The customer will be looking for you online. The customer is now moving away from looking for you in the traditional spaces and is now looking for you online. Just this week, um, Richmond, you're welcome to the show. Thank you. Just this week, I was talking to someone about the use of digital media. And he says to me, yeah, I was looking for a place to take my friends out to go and eat fufu. Okay. Something as common as fufu. And he says, I went straight on Instagram. Yeah. And I typed fufu joint in Ghana. And I, he found a place in East Ligon. He could have asked somebody. Right. But he went online. Two things happened there. The company that was doing the fufu had put themselves online. Right. And this guy found them, and now they're getting a lot of orders. Mm. So our tidbit for today's um, conversation, if you like, is beware the customers looking for you and make yourself available. Mm. On that edition, on that note, we, we um, start today's show here on Masterclass, and we continue with our conversation on talent management for profitability, talent management for profitability. We started with a certain conversation about two weeks ago, and then when we started, we sort of gave an overview of the conversation, what the whole conversation on talent management was. Then last week, we came into the components of talent management. You spoke to us about talent acquisition, talent retention, and all of that. Today, we're going to be going into the strategy application of the components that we have talked about, if you like. Welcome to today's show, Richmond. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Right. So let's um, sort of do a quick recap, if you like. Thank you, Yao. Sorry. No way. I know you meant Yao. <laughs> a quick recap, if you like, and take us straight to today's conversation because we will be able to get interactive quite early today and get a lot of our listeners to be able to call in as well. Right. So us. thank you and good afternoon. It looks like um, the masterclass is going quite well with a number of people mm. because day after day, as we, we get out of the studio, people come back with feedback on what they have done with the lessons we shared and how it is impacting their organizations yeah. from from the micro to the high street organizations. Mm. So even following us, we, we did the overview, the entire overview of talent management on week one. And then on week two, we looked at what we call the key components. And we did so much, so much on what you can do 
when it comes to um, your talent management, most importantly for profitability, mm-hmm. bottom line. And today we are going to be looking at, after looking at the key components of talent management, how do you apply the right strategies to make sure that it triggers down for for the organization so that you can see its impact on its profitability. Now, for our viewers who watched us on day on week one, you notice that we put together a construct, two critical constructs. One was a talent management construct, and that talent management construct had organizational strategy on one side and then organizational performance and outcomes on another side. Then in the middle of that construct was what we called optimal workforce. So if you follow that, we talked about driving both the organizational strategy. So without an organizational strategy, you, you'll, be, you'll be beating about the bush in terms of talent management and driving it in such a way that it is linked to the organizational performance and its outcomes so that then you make the best out of your workforce, which is in the middle, then it shows on profitability. Then we looked at another construct we call the profitability construct. And that profitability construct looks at the employer or the organization and now beginning to position the organization as a brand so that whenever the organization's name comes up, there is a top-of-the-mind awareness of what the organization represents in the mind of even your employees. Because remember, our target is always clients. But we said that the number one client is your employee, your staff, so that the effect of how they feel and how well they do the work they do will translate on the client who is coming from outside of the organization. And so you see the employer and the organization as a brand, and it moves into employee satisfaction. It moves into employee attraction and goes all the way into customer loyalty before it triggers down on profitability. Let me just chip this in that if you're listening to us live, we're streaming live on Facebook and so the construct that Richmond is referring to is also being shared on our live stream. You can just refer to it. It's actually like a PowerPoint slide right. just so that you can follow the conversation. Richmond, please do continue. Excellent. So from that kind of background, we are now saying, so what specifically must I do to these two different constructs so that I can apply the right strategies to make my talent management thing work? What's essentially saying, what must I do to be safe? What must you do to be safe? <laughs> you see, when Peter um, spoke so lengthy yes. and then the people were convinced. Now, it is true that these things look very um, explicit and very detailed among other things. And so sometimes many people, many CEOs, when they call, they get scared about it. So can we really do it? We can't do it. I mean, if you can put yourself to it. And if you do it, you'll notice that you'll be spending less on your talent and it will, it will bring you more mm-hmm. in terms of revenues. The number one critical thing you have to apply as we go about shaping our talent for profitability is to internalize what I call the MV, MVGs. Mm-hmm. The MVGs are basically the organization's mission, the organization's vision, the organization's goals. Internalize them. I have done um, <laughs> a mystery shop this week yeah. on maybe the top 25 organizations across various industries. Mm-hmm. And when I get into the organization with my team, from the front desk to at least the middle to senior management team, many of them cannot recite or remember the mission statement or the vision statement verbatim or even summarize. It's amazing. Eh? They may always have to just take a look at it before they say it. Mm-hmm. That then makes the mission or vision statement just a written notice. 
and it doesn't really have a reality to the everyday work anybody is doing. And so if you want to apply the right strategy to make your business profitable, then take a second look at this, the, the, the writing you call your mission statement. Is it really relevant to your profitability? Is it really relevant to the organization's goal? Is it really relevant to the organizational strategy? Many times we are in a hurry to get consultants to put together words, to put together cliches, to form mission statements we put on boards, design them nicely. But then employees barely know them or they barely can relate them to their daily routine. If you want your 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 talent management strategy to work, then I'm saying that the first thing you've got to take serious is to internalize your MVGs. So what do you do? You must not just make your mission, your vision and goals just a writing. They must be meaningful to the core ideals of the organization and they must be internalized. It doesn't have to be too long and it doesn't have to be something nobody can remember apart from the chief executive. So from today, if you really want to apply the right strategy, make the MVGs meaningful and practical to the daily routines of the organization. And from the driver, the security man, all the way to the executive secretary and even the board chair, everybody should be able to bring reality from the mission, the vision, and the goals to their daily routine. So that at any time, T, when I walk into any department and I want to see how well the organization's mission is being implemented daily, everybody without being checked on would be able to apply themselves to the reason why they are in the office. If it is not like that, then there will be a, a, there, there will be a diversion between what we are envisaging to become as an organization and what happens daily in the workspaces. And so internalize, internalize, make it a part of the daily routine of the organization. If the driver knows that our vision is to become the number one communication um, organization in maybe 10 years, then he knows that he his work has a bearing on how we achieve that goal. He knows that his attitudes he brings on the job every day and time has a bearing on the, on the organization. And so it doesn't have to take a senior manager to tell him to come to work early. It doesn't have to take the HR head to tell him to wash his car and make sure he looks clean. But he himself will know that this is what the organization represents in terms of our mission, in terms of our vision, in terms of our goals. So that the daily routine and the reality of our MVGs reflect on everybody's work. It doesn't matter which level they find themselves. That is number one. Now, this is missing, as I've said, in many organizations. If you're a small organization, this is a very good time for you to do this because it's easy to implement same. The next thing that is very important is to make innovations and creativity position insensitive. Make innovations and creativity position insensitive and and bureaucratic. What are we saying about this? You know, in driving your performance management culture and system, one of the things that can help you to achieve profitability is when innovation does not reside only in the bosom of the executive. It shouldn't take just the chief executive to innovatively think about how we can serve our customers. It shouldn't take the chief finance officer to think about how we can operationalize our payment systems. It should take anybody who goes to sleep and thinks about how well I can improve on what I do. Anybody to be thinking about how cost effective I can apply my task so that it doesn't cost the organization more. And if they can all be given the opportunity and the room to innovate about how they work, 
to creatively apply themselves to how they can get things done better. So it causes organization less and it rather brings in more income. Then innovation is a daily routine that shows up in every department. Innovation is not just an IT thing that the IT people would have to come up with. But innovation would be a way that people can do their work better than they used to do. They can go around every now and then as they are going out of the office and coming. They are watching competitors and what they are doing and how well they can do what they do better. So you make innovation something that is part of everyday routine and it's not position sensitive. It means everybody can innovate. And how do you make it position insensitive? It is when you can create an atmosphere where anybody can come up with a better way of getting things done. And when they do, they get recognized for same. So that it doesn't have to go through a certain system, a certain office, a certain report. It goes through a long chain. And when it comes, it comes out as the, the baby of maybe the senior supervisor. But it, we don't recognize a national service person who was able to look carefully at the challenges of the organization and innovate about how things can be done. It doesn't recognize the, the, the security officer who came up with an idea that has turned the organization around. It doesn't, it doesn't, come, it, it doesn't make it like it can come from the contract staff who is just working for 91 days but is able to innovate and come up with some ideas. No, make innovation and creativity position insensitive and it shouldn't be bureaucratic. And when you do that, it is a great strategy to make your, your talent management excellent. The third thing is to be deliberate about your organizational culture. Every organization has a culture. Every organization has a culture. And here, whether you know you do or you do not know you do, you have created a culture. Because the culture is the way of life, is organizational behavior. It is the way we have our workways. It is the way we do the things we do. It is the way people behave. It is the way we communicate among ourselves. It is the attitude we show on the job. And so, even when you don't become deliberate, without your permission, there is a culture that is festing, that is happening. And that is what dictates how work is done. That is what dictates the, the talent management system. And so, if you don't become deliberate about it, you will be creating a culture without your, your, your knowledge of creating that culture. So, you don't know you have deliberately created a, a working culture. Because you don't know, there is a culture of no definition. And that is also a culture. So, be deliberate about the kind of organization culture you want to build and for you to do that three things must happen you must be intentionally driven you must be thinking intensive and you must be action oriented and these three things should drive the way work is done and from the word go when every employee is is, is recruited or hired, the person should be given the opportunity to appreciate the organizational culture. And when you are even hiring people, because you have defined what kind of culture exists in the organization, you are able to test the pulse of the people who are coming, whether they would be shocked culturally because of where they are coming from, or whether they would appreciate the kind of culture they are coming into. So you, you know who to pick and who not to pick. And you are able to shape the way things are done in the organization. So be deliberate about it deliberately say this is the kind of culture I want to build. Show a picture of it for every staff to know that in this organization, this is our culture. Maybe our culture is an open door policy culture. Our culture is everybody is diligent. Our culture is we are a family. We are not just strangers coming together. Our culture is timeliness. Our culture is humility. Our culture is leadership on the job. That should be a deliberate effort you put together 
intentionally. So you do it intentionally driven, thinking intensive, and action-oriented. Why is it thinking intensive? Because it changes. It must change to suit the changing ties in organizational management so that you don't say, this is how we used to do the things we do. And even if even if circumstances or innovation is changing it, you still stick to it, like the example you gave about Fufu. I mean, Fufu used to be in the chop bus and things like that, and you would have to discover it yourself as you are driving. But now, you would have to put it out there. And so the culture shouldn't be, you have to find us. If that culture shouldn't, doesn't change, then it goes against you and how you work. The next thing that probably could be the fourth critical strategy that you apply rightly in this whole two different constructs I've shared is to know your people and their true states. Now, <laughs> if you are not careful as an organizational head or even as a team lead or even as a supervisor, you are likely to be interested only in the deliverables and its outcomes. You will not be interested in the people you are working with to bring out the deliverables and the outcomes. So you walk into the office and the only thing you are, you are quick to ask about is how far is the report? How far is the project? Where are we with this deliverable? Why is this thing not done? How come this are still delayed? You are likely to be drawn there because that is why you came to the office. But... It is not enough. You cannot be so busy on the highway that you have forgotten that you don't have fuel and because you don't have time, you are not going to get fuel. You are driving yourself out of something dangerous. So whatever it is, you must make time to still get fuel. And here, when I say know your people, there should be a point where anybody who supervises another person must take on the responsibility to know their people genuinely, care about them. And here, how do you do that? There is something we call the shape. So you must know the strength of anybody who reports to you. Know their strength, the age. Know what their abilities are about. That is your heart. You should know where their hearts, what, what, what excites them, what is their ability, what are they able to do without struggle. Know them, every one of them. And then the A is what the attitude is. You should be able to tell every one of your team members the attitude, why they behave the way they do, what accounts for why they do the things they do. Then the next one is their personality. You should be able to tell the kind of temperaments every one of your team members bring on board. That helps you as a leader or as a manager to know how to approach everybody when they are down, when they are up, why they do the things they do the way they do when they are not doing things right how to confront them and engage them but if you don't know them you don't know them you don't know why the guy is always quiet on the job because you don't know whether he's a melancholic you don't know why that lady is always excited and is so particular about details because you don't know she's a sanguine you as a leader must be particular about the people you are working with know them after all, you have a, a form called Know Your Client, KYC, even in the financial services. And you take time to know the details about your customers. But your biggest customer who works for you and determines the state of your external customer, you don't even know his number of head. You don't know whether he's married or not. You don't know even the area he lives. The only time he gets a call from you is when there is work. So anytime your supervisor sees your call coming, he panics and knows that there is something he has not done. It is not about, I just called you to check on you, to see if everything is fine. How's the family? How is wife fee? Are the kids fine? You'll be amazed how this can go down to get people to be committed inside out for you because you know your people. You don't know anybody in your team. They only know you as good morning, good evening, and they come and do the work. You will not achieve much if you don't know your people. You should be able to account for them. Somebody is late to work. We get back and then we notice after maybe about 12 in the afternoon. And you are now 
even noticing that one person has not come. You don't know whether they were stuck in traffic. You don't know whether they had an accident. You don't know anything about them. It is not something that will help you to drive your team well. It is okay to be interested in the numbers, but know your people and know their state. And you'll be amazed how it will help you. Mm. Then the last part of the shape is experiences. Many people bring experiences onto the work every day. And those experiences will shape their outcome to work. Those experiences will tell how they deliver on the work. Get to know the experiences. It will help you to know what to do. Then the fifth strategy you must apply and apply well is to make performance management an everyday reality. Performance management is a construct. It is a contract between the employee and the employer. And it must be cited. It must be signed off. It must be discussed. You must get into a meeting with your staff or your team members and engage them on the expected deliverables. All of you should know what success looks like. And it is signed off with specific deliverable timelines. So performance management is a document that the two of you have shared. And every day, at the end of every day, your employee should be able to to know whether I'm getting closer to it or not. Performance management doesn't just show up once a while. It doesn't just show up at the end of the year. No. So that when it is a daily thing, everybody will know when they should be corrected and when they should not be corrected. And when that happens, you are able to comment immediately when people do well and you are able to reprimand immediately when people do well so that you don't wait for after the fact when the task has not been delivered before you go and look for what to do. The last one probably... Um, is to lead and not just take a walk. Mm. Lead and not just take a walk. Everybody in the organization should see themselves as an HR head. Talent management is not just a task left to the HR or admin office. Yours is just to manage your team and anything about human resource development has nothing to do with you. Go to HR. No. Anybody that supervises a team, one up to any number, you must become the chief HR officer of your own team. So you become particular about the things that border on their welfare, that border on their deliverables, that border on how well they are doing, so that you become your own HR officer. If you don't do that, then HR and talent management will be just a task that is left to the HR head, and it will affect you in delivering on your HR goals. Lastly, inspect what you expect. Look, many time, time managers and leaders and business heads Assume that because I have given you a task through email or through a report or through a query or through a conversation, it must be done. If that is how you are going to manage talent for profitability, you'll be shocked. Because people don't just do because you said they should do. If you are waiting for the day to now expect an outcome, you'll be given excuses. And so you must keep your eye on the ball and inspect daily what you expect. Thankfully, you don't have to micromanage. You can put in technology that makes you be able to assess the things you are looking for so that on the daily, on the daily task management skills, you'll be able to tell what must be done and why it hasn't been done, and you can help people. If you can apply these seven critical tasks on strategic plans that border on managing your talent, 
you'll be amazed how well the two different constructs I shared, bordering on the first and the second, how it's going to have affect the organization and its performance. So if you do them, then you should be going somewhere, either as a small enterprise or as a blue chip organization. Thank you. So much information, the culture, know the true state of your people. You cannot expect what you do not expect. One thing that resonates so strongly with me is something you said last week. You know, I can put all of that in just that one statement. If you're managing talent, know this as a leader. People don't leave organizations. People leave people. Right. That's what has resonated with me. What has resonated with you, if you're listening to us, this is Masterclass here on your Superstation Joy 99.7. We're spending time here in the studio with Richmond Frimpong, who is Executive Director of Financial Literacy Africa. And we're, conversa- we're, we're, we're discussing talent management. Talent management. Do you have an organization? Do you Are you a business owner? What is your own personal experience? Pick up that phone and give us a call. We will be getting interactive right after this. The Masterclass is in session and you can interact with us via Facebook at Joy Business or at Joy 99.7 FM. And if you tweet, the handle is at Joy 997 FM. Don't forget to hashtag Masterclass. You can also send us a text on 1422 across all networks or join the WhatsApp conversation on 0244-340437. And our facilitators will address your concerns. Attention everyone, class is in progress. Welcome back. This is Masterclass. So do you have any motor vehicle of any kind? Because if you do, we've got some great news for you. Girls new super synthetic 5W20 and 5W30 loops are the best engine oils for your vehicle. They're specially engineered engine oils which efficiently work on all your modern petrol and diesel engines. They clean, they protect, they reduce fuel consumption, they prolong oil change intervals, and they enhance your engine performance right from when you start up to when you switch off. So go to any girl filling station today and grab the new girl super synthetic 5W20 and 5W30 engine oils for superior vehicle performance. Goyle, they say good energy, Goyle, Igenara, Igedi. Our phone lines are now open. You can give us a call on 0302216541 or you can send us your comments on 055 I've got my first caller on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from, sir? Yeah, I'm Chidiak. Oh, Chidiak, my brother. How are you? Good. And so, you? I'm great. I'm great. Talk to me, Chidiak. Okay. It goes like this. Uh, the person who is supposed to take the HR job on his own to mm. make sure this company drives ahead. Mm. With our culture, what happens to that person? That's number one. Number okay. two, you have already formed this company driving before you become a disabled. Mm. You must rely on people. Mm. And the information given to you are not driving this company ahead. What do you do? Right. Wonderful questions. Do stay tuned. That was Chidiak um, from La um, giving us those questions. Taking the job of the HR person mm-hmm. and being um, sort of victimized for it. Because anyway, Juma, why, why are you doing somebody else's job? That's number one. And of course, you rely on people for information. So if you're not given the right information, you won't be able to push it right. How do you handle those? Okay, so is he speaking as a chief executive or as a team lead? Well, he's speaking probably as another concern manager okay. in the company. So <laughs> this is how you should approach talent management and all the things we have shared. You should be responsible for your team. So whichever unit you are, if you are responsible for any number of people who work directly with you, your direct reports, apply these principles and strategies to that team. So we say know your people. You don't need the HR manager to know where that guy who works with you lives. 
you don't need the HR manager to know what makes him report too late almost every now and then. Mm. You don't need the HR manager to tell why he's not delivering on his task. It is your personal responsibility. Why? Because if you don't, it is going to reflect on the team's outcomes. Mm. And when it reflects on the team's outcome, it shows on you as a leader or the supervisor. Yeah. That reflect well on you. Yeah. So, the HR manager or the HR department is just an institutional office. But if you want profitability amongst your team, take charge. You don't need a title HR, but you are the chief executive officer of that team. And so be responsible for the people. And as a leader, it's a collective effort also, isn't it? Before you answer the next question, do, do take note of it. I've got another caller on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from, sir? Uh, good afternoon. This is uh, Edie from Medina. Oh, Edie, talk to us. You're welcome to yeah, the show. Uh, it's very good. Uh, this program has really, really helped both of us. Mm. And uh, from what I'm hearing today... That reminds me a lot because uh, when you employ a new worker, it's good to educate your new worker mm-hmm. the kind of product, the kind of work or he or she is coming to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do to improve the organization's uh, success. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it has happened to me before. I was employed in a field where I had no knowledge about what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But I took it upon myself to learn about the products that I was going to sell. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went a big time in helping me, pushing me. I was just promoted. Right. Within a month, I was promoted to a level that people spend several years mm. to, 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 to be promoted to. Mm. Mm. So I think uh, this idea of uh, you know trying to educate your, your staff to learn much about what they are going to sell, what they are going to do, is a very good thing. And uh, the, the workers must also be able to learn more mm. about what they are, they are asked to do, their job description, to be right. able to sell, because at the end, it's going to benefit you mm-hmm. much more than even the organization. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Idi. That was Idi from Madina, sort of reiterating the points that you, you spoke about. Let's answer the second question of the first caller, and then we can comment on this one while we wait for the next caller. So that question was about... Um, essentially relying on people and... Pe- and not giving you the right the information. information. That is That's why correct. the last point was about inspecting what you expect. Mm-hmm. Don't just take things because they have been passed to you by people you ask information from. Always go down as a leader. Go to the source of... Spot checks every now and yes. again. Catch people doing things right. Catch people doing things wrong. And inspect. Inspect what you expect. Show up un- unannounced. Yes. <laughs> if you don't, you'll be surprised. Ultimately, to show on you, to reflect mm. on you. Mm. If you don't do that, you'll be, you'll be sad. Mm. Mm. Numbers to call 0302216541. Today, we have a bit of time. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. Talent management. What are you doing in your organization? How does it apply to you? What are your challenges? Let's share some thoughts here. You can also send us your comments on 055 <laughs> We're also streaming live on Facebook. You can post your questions there. Our production team will pick up those questions and send them across to us. I've got um, Fred Achampong on social media. He says, this guy is good. I'm learning a lot. Okay, so that that's to you, Richmond. Enjoying okay. today's masterclass. We'll, we'll put his number out at the end of the show so that you can reach out to him. But let's do a quick test. If you're going to give us a call, you work in an organization. We spoke about the fact that some organizations do not have a good saturation of the mission, the vision, or the goals. If you know your company's vision, pick up that phone, give us a call right now, and make your company proud. Share that vision with us and tell us which company it is. 0302216541 or send us a comment on 055 Do you want to comment quickly on the second caller's Yes, point? Yes, yes, and then we can go um, to some um, questions. So, 
he is talking about how what he has learned has helped him. Mm-hmm. I, I want us to uh, encourage anyone who is listening and not don't be discouraged that you haven't done many of these things. You can always start from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So for, from, from week one, week two, week three, all the things we have shared, if you can pick them, go back, watch them again, and apply them from day one. Apply all of them. You'll be amazed how it's going to reflect on your profitability. The days we are in, business is difficult, and profitability is a difficult thing to make. But I'm saying the critical thing that can turn around profitability is how you work on your people with some of these strategies we have shared. There is a little a bit of the part six which talks about leading and not just taking a walk mm. that maybe when when i get a chance i would go into it a little bit more right deeper. right okay so there's a there's a um a question here it says that how do you deal with a seeming clash between organizational culture and personal culture great where personal culture refers to the culture of the individuals right from various backgrounds right so so again it means it, this culture thing was not deliberately checked when the hiring was being done. Mm. Because when it's organizational culture, it has to do with the attitude, the, way, the ways of work, the behavior, how the person communicates, the work ways, and things like that. How can we miss out on such an important thing when we are picking the person on board? Because culture is the way of everything. Like it's, a, it's a way of life, as we're told. So if the organizational culture is not checked from the word go, then you are missing out on a lot. So fast forward, you've, you've missed out the person has come in what do you do what you do is to use a performance management to fine-tune your organizational culture remember i said your performance management program must be a reality that reflects on the daily routine so what have you signed what performance contract have you signed with the people that performance contract should capture the behaviors that is how you do what you do and what you are supposed to do performance contract what am i supposed to do a b c d e how am I supposed to do it? Through these behaviors, through etiquette, through these things. So you check both behavior and you check results and outcomes. And the performance management contract will get people to behave the way they are supposed to behave. So even if you have missed this from the recruitment point of view, your performance management should be able to fix culture. If it can't, then you are not doing something right with your performance management tool. You see, it's so, it's so true what you say because when people, and I say people, Ghanaians like myself, find mm. themselves in other other fields of endeavor or other geographical areas right. where these things exist, like you talk about, right. it's clear you must do one, two, three, four, five, and you must do it this way, that mm. way, that way. We excel. They do. We well. even win employee of the month and they things do. like that. They when do. you travel outside, employee of the month, a lot of them are Africans and yeah. Ghanaians. Yeah. So something must be missing in the way we engineer yeah. it yeah. here. Okay, I've got um, Papa Ansa on social media. Papa Ansa says, Good afternoon, Chairman. I hope you will bring this HR man everywhere. His name is Richmond Frimpong. <laughs> He knows what he's about and he's not like other. Richmond, are you an HR or you are a management consultant? I'm a management consultant. (laughs) (laughs) But you should know everything 360 about running an organization. How do people get to you for help? I think we should do that now. First and foremost, I want to give anybody the opportunity. Mm. Just go to YouTube, look for Richmond Kwame Frimpon. There are a number of these tapes and these audios there that you can subscribe to. Immediately you subscribe, we can reach out to you to help you. Mm. If you do that, you should be fine. That should be enough. Richmond Kwame Frimpon on any of the channels youtube and facebook youtube and facebook okay right. i've got from facebook kwame ecm kwame says well spoken unfortunately most Ghanaian employers of today think they can do all things by their own and they vent their anger on employees when they fail to succeed then they begin to find fault and apportion blame they've really got to learn that's ato kwame ecm this is masterclass um, numbers to call 0302 216541 or you can send us your comments on 055 
quadruple one nine nine seven. We're discussing talent management and how it affects your organization and how you can maximize talent management for profitability. Okay, so I've got another question. While we're waiting for the phone line sharing, I've got another question here. You spoke about culture and the fact that there can never be a situation where there is no culture. You know, it's so true because just last week we're having a discussion, a group of friends, and some group of people thought that there was no culture in a particular organization. And another group thought there's always a culture. It's just whether it's good or bad. Yes. So what do you do in a situation where, number one, a group part of the people think there's no culture. Number two, the culture is bad, which is why people think that there's no culture. Number three, part of the people want to change the situation and make it better. What, what are some of the first steps to take? Very, very, very good question and, and very good observation. So let me go up and then I'll come down. Up, you were given the instance of working in organizations. Okay. Hold that thought for me right there. I've got another caller. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Good afternoon. Your name, where you're calling from, sir? I'm Joseph. Joseph, calling from Joseph. Takrade. Takrade. Oh, how's Takrade yeah. today, my brother? Takrade is cool. Beautiful, beautiful. Talk yeah. to me. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a nice program. Thank but you, What Joseph. I want to say is that if this thing is being applied at the, um, the government institutions, <laughs> it will help. Because when you look at this, this being done at the private, and it is helping, they are growing. Mm. Go to the government institution, and nothing is working. Mm. Because these rules are not supervision at the government institution is very low. Mm. So I believe this thing should be applied at government institution. Thank you. Thank you so much. Joseph, do stay on the line. I have a gift for you, which you can pick up next week. If you can answer the question I'm about to ask you, do you want to try and answer it? Yes. Okay. Can you share with us the vision of the company that you work for or that you own? It's okay if you don't remember. It's it's if you are able to do it, then you get the gift. Otherwise, then it's fine. You can try another time. Yeah, the vision we have for, for I have Richmond. For, Richmond is listening, so he's going to determine whether you have said it right or not. And we'll call your company. Which company is it? <laughs> <laughs> we should take it offline, eh? <laughs> Thank you so much, Richmond. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Okay, so if you can tell us the vision of your company, it means that at least you know it and you are going to walk by it. I have a gift for you here on the, the show. The vision statement. The right. vision statement. Right. Yes. So I was talking about taking it up. Taking it up means making it even national. Mm. And when many people get into different nations, you see there's a culture. And I said on that point about being deliberate of organization, point three, I said it must be intentionally driven, mm. it must be thinking intensive, mm-hmm. and it must be action-oriented. So if you get into an organization where people are not too sure whether there is or there is none, then it means they have not been deliberate mm. about putting mm. together a culture. Yeah. Yeah. And when there is no deliberate culture, and when you say culture, it doesn't mean like a formal stuff. It is a deliberate picture of the work, the way of work, the ways of work. How we work, the attitudes we bring to the office. What we do here, what we don't do here. As simple Why as we that. don't do this. Why? And, and everybody lives by it the way it must be done. It's deliberate. Yeah. It's imprinted on the minds of people. So when a new person comes, he has to learn the ways of work in that organization. Mm. And when that happens... The, the the leader or the team head will not have to always go about whipping people or micromanaging people. Mm-hmm. 
And that is why your point about if you get into a, an, another nation or another country, you notice that the same person who was supposedly not cultured now is able to deliver on things and do things well. And he gets into another nation also. And there's like, there's no rule, there's no law. The same way with the institutions, public service and private service. One person can be in the public service. He appears not to have even have any manners in terms of organizational yeah. ethics and curtsies. He gets into a private sector and you'll be amazed the kind of professional they bring to bear. It is about being deliberately, deliberate about what you want to do, why we have to do what we want to do, how we have to do it, and you'll be amazed how things can happen. Take Ghana as a country and make it a company, Ghana Incorporated. And let's assume for once that the leaders of the ministries are made to appreciate the way things are done, how things must be done, and things like that, and it becomes a culture. And then people are given specific outlines of what they are supposed to do to be paid. And they sign it off, and it's visible for everybody. You'll be amazed what will happen. And I'm saying that until these seven critical strategies are applied, it doesn't matter where in the house, in the offices, in the ministries, in the homes, in the nations, in the political parties, you will not go anywhere with profitability. One of the things that in management training they'll tell you is an approach to solving any problem, is identifying the problem. Right. In your personal opinion, what do you think is the reason why most, and I won't even say, I won't even stress this, most companies are unable to do this very simple thing. Because, you see, we're not hearing it for the first time. It's in books. Mm. Managing this, managing that, seven habits of effective people. You know, all those books tell Mm. us some of these things. Why can't we do it? What's your take? Just, you know, just in a few I think we can't do it. Help us put our, our finger on what the problem is. I think it's always about the commitment and the cost of doing it. So sometimes... You can't figure yourself about how I can bring it to bear on this organization, maybe because of the attitudes and the things around. So the moment you even think about implementing it, it's too difficult to do. But get help. Get help. There are people who have what it takes to help you navigate the organization to get there. Then the second thing is not knowing the picture of doing it, what doing it will bring to the organization. If, for example, I do an audit of this organization, mm-hmm. and I notice that now your profitability is just about 100000 and when I do that audit, human talent management audit, I will be able to point to you that in five years, implement this and it will move you from 100,000 to a million. You'll be committed to doing it. Mm-hmm. So it is when the picture of the end is not very clear to you when I apply myself to this. And then because you don't know, then you just subject yourself to And when it's like that, you struggle to apply same. So would it be correct to say that, number one, it's a lack of will. It strong is. will it is. to do it. And number two, it's a lack of our ability to visualize it is. the as benefits. As simple as that. Because if you don't know what I'm getting when I do this, you will not appreciate the, the burden of doing it. You will only look at, I mean, it will take so long. I now have to come and bring somebody to now get JDs done. You've employed somebody for five years. The person doesn't have a signed written JD. Somebody has been working for the it's last a, three it's years. It's amazing. Well, you it's know? strange. Some, the last three years, there's no performance contract where at the end of every quarter, you sit with your direct supervisor and you go over and com- have a conversation over them. And, and you've even like created that. a culture of entitlement because they think they're doing the right thing. They think so. And so they will now even demand for more oh, for gosh. what they are not working for. Next week, what's the outlook? <laughs> Next week, um, I would have to look at it again. Next okay. week, let me look at it. Um, next we, week, we'll be rounding up, actually. We will be rounding up, that's and correct. And we'll be looking at... Um, 
the execution gap. Execution the gap. execution gap. So the question you just asked, what makes other people able to do and implement these things? Mm-hmm. And the what makes other people unable to do? The, the, the gap between doing and not doing. The execution gap. That I want your organization to get here. But my people, my team, and I, we are unable to get it there. So in between your vision and the people who are driving the vision, there is a gap, and that is the execution gap. So we'll be telling you about how to close that gap and get things 